we appreciate you logging on to PeterPowers.com, everybody. Welcome to another rendition of our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks. I'm Mike Neighbors. First off, we got to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Two great locations in Clearwater and on the beach in Treasure Island. Man, finally, finally, some real football. First, I bring in our producer, Justin Thomas, our voice of reason. Are you, are you excited or what, my friend? Two days away. I cannot wait. <laughs> and I'll bring in our Bucks insider, Roy Cummings. Roy, we've talked a lot about the offseason workouts, training camp, practice games. Uh, finally, the real deal is a few days away. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time for everybody. Uh, everybody's obviously very confident this time of year, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, if you're the Buc- if you're a Buccaneers fan, you have every reason in the world to be excited. Uh, we're coming off a that we they're coming off a very good uh, preseason, especially for the first second team guys. I I think they showed that uh, they're they're a little bit better than uh, than people think, and uh, I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. So I'm anxious to see uh, exactly how it plays out. You know, we're getting more and more uh, uh, clicks on the podcast. We appreciate that. And we also try to change things up every week. And and once the regular season hits, we're going to bring in perspective from the other team. And we're going to do that in this podcast. Nick Underhill, uh, one of the best beat writers, if not the best beat writer for the New Orleans Saints. He works for the New Orleans Advocate. He's going to join us in just a second to talk about how the Saints feel about the Bucs and preview the Saints as well for you Buck fans out there. But, Roy, let's talk about – this Buccaneer team, and and obviously, you know, you, you heard the responses out of the locker room this week. Jameis Winston isn't around. Mike Evans said, you know, going out in the practice field, it was kind of weird. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy against the New Orleans Saints. And Dirk Cutter likes the kind of leader he's getting out of Fitz. He just keeps it real. I mean, he's a, he's a man's man. He knows how to talk to the linemen. He knows how to talk to the receivers. You know anybody that's that's got his experience. I mean, he's just he's good in every situation. He's good with every type of player, and uh, you know he just he just handles himself like a real pro, and you wouldn't expect anything else. You know, ever since training camp kicked off, Dirk Cutter's been behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, Roy. And a lot of us, even me, and maybe you a little bit included, thought Ryan Griffin may push him for that job, but Cutter has been a big Ryan Fitzpatrick fan from the beginning, and it seems like he still is after a solid preseason. Yeah, he definitely is. And look, there's, there's a reason the Buccaneers uh, two years ago picked up uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, signed him. Uh, they wanted a veteran quarterback a year ago. They thought they were headed to the playoffs. Uh, I think they still feel the same way. They feel they've got a playoff caliber team. A lot of people may laugh at that, uh, that, that comment, but uh, the Buccaneers believed that a year ago. So do most people around the NFL. They still believe it now. They look at their roster and say, we're good enough to get there. We have to have someone who's been there and done it, who started in the NFL, played playoff games in the NFL, succeeded with a good team uh, and, and, you know, knows how to, uh, you know, uh, attack a, an NFL defense. So that's the reason they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, it worked out a year ago when Jameis Winston got hurt. It's worked out now that he's uh, suspended. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick played pretty good football last year uh, when he got in there. And my guess is he'll probably play pretty good football a uh, good solid football for the Buccaneers uh, this time around. If he does, I think the Bucks have a chance to go possibly two and one. I don't. I won't say they go three and zero, but they got a chance to to pull out of come out of this first three games with their head above water. You know, the one thing I worry about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he'll even say this, Roy. You look at his career; it's kind of been feast or famine. Either he has that great game where he mops up, or he you know steps in as starter for a team, or he has that three four interception game. And, you know, I think as a Buccaneer fan, if you look at the 
you know, entirety of his career, there's reason for optimism, and you touched on this points, but you also have to be worried that you may get the, the, the other Brian Fitzpatrick. Do you see a trend there with him and his history as a quarterback? You know, I don't really see a trend. I just think, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're on a team that isn't all that talented, uh, or isn't playing well, or isn't coached very well. And I think you could say that about some of the previous Jets teams that he was on in particular. Uh, you're going to struggle as a quarterback. So much is put on the quarterback. A lot of times they're put in bad situations, and uh, you know their, their only way to try to get out of it is to make some play that really isn't there for him. And you know, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick knows not to do that, but at some point you have to try if you're so far behind. And uh, you know, mist- and the other thing is mistakes are made. I mean, you know, th- there's look, there's every opportunity or every you know equal chance that that Ryan Fitzpatrick has a bad game followed by a good game followed by a bad game, or the other way around in this uh, three game series that he's likely to play. So, you know, you just got to wait and see. He, w- the thing you have to know is that he's talented enough and good enough to to do what this team needs him to do. There's no question about that. Will it all happen? We have to wait and see. If it doesn't happen, don't blame it all on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just like I promise you that if Ryan Fitzpatrick comes out of these last, these first three games with uh, having thrown uh, eight touchdowns against three interceptions uh, or less and 110 passer rating or 95 passer rating uh, and se- you know 72 uh, completion percentage, he's not going to take all the credit for it. Just like he shouldn't get all the blame if uh, things go a little south. So. Let's just see how it goes, take it game by game, see what uh, the team looks like around him, see what the situations are that he's in and uh, how he handles those situations. You know what, Roy, but we can say things the players and the coaches can't say. Jameis Winston had his best preseason as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and the fact that he can't carry over that momentum into the regular season, it's a shame. I mean, it's got to be hard for this franchise to see what he did after all the criticism going into training camp and not being able to carry that over is tough. Yeah, it is. It's it's really a disappointment. It's very similar, and I you know like I said this uh, uh, last year, la- you know at the beginning of training camp, really about what we saw with Doug Martin last year in training camp. You know there was no doubt last year at the start of training camp and all through the preseason, really, that Doug Martin was far and away the Buccaneers' best running back. Right now, you look at it, and you don't have any doubts at all uh, about Jameis Winston's ability to lead this football team. Uh, he looks like he's picked up right where he left off late last season when his passer rating was right around 90 plus, uh, 99, I believe 99.1, I think is what it was for the last five games. Uh, exactly. And, uh, uh, he was playing very good football at that point and probably the best of his career. And you saw an extension of that during the preseason. It's really unfortunate that uh, he's not going to be around to, to finish that off. Um, or continue that at the beginning of this season. And who knows what those three weeks off are going to do to him. Um, you know, again, the, the Doug Martin reference. A year ago when Doug Martin came back, uh, he just didn't have it. He wasn't the same player by any stretch. And that was really sad to see, and it was unfortunate for the Buccaneers. They never got their running game going as a result of it. And uh, if the same thing happens uh, with Jameis Winston at the quarterback position, this team could really struggle. Uh, it could be a real problem for them. But, you know, it is uh, that's that's the hand they've been dealt, and they've got to deal with it as best they can. Well, the biggest question, Mark, I think, beyond the quarterbacks is the offensive line. Donovan Smith has never missed a start since he put on a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. 
But he's in jeopardy of that with the knee sprain. I mean, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It looked like all the reports where he was going to be ready for the Saints. But these injuries are tricky. Uh, Dirk Cutter talked about Donovan Smith's status for the season opener against the Saints. We'll see how it shakes out. I mean, as you guys know well, uh, Donovan takes a lot of pride. He's never, yeah. he's never missed a start in his time here. And if anybody can make it, it's him. Uh, we'll see. We're going to find out shortly, Roy. You know, the left tackle position without Donovan Smith, you know, you have a lot of ways you could go. Mike Litke is a guy who filled in the preseason. There's been some chatter about DeMar Dotson moving over, maybe Caleb Beninock, but it seems like the coaching staff doesn't want that. If he doesn't play, how do you think this team will handle it? Uh, it's going to be tough. He's going to need help. It's going to really limit – it's going to change the Buccaneers' offense is what's going to happen. If, if Donovan Smith can't play, Mike Litke is a converted guard. Um, he may look fine in, in training camp workouts, and he did okay against, you know, second and third teamers primarily in the preseason games where he played there. But, um, you know, on opening day against uh, Cameron Jordan, I'm not feeling too good. So you're going to have to give him help. Uh, you're going to have to put a tight end over there, um, and you're going to have to give him some chip blockers as well uh, in order to get the passing game going. Um, you're going to have to run right. You're not going to want to run left very much, I don't think. Uh, at the same time, you're going to have to, you know, mix it up and balance it out so the teams can't read you too much. So it changes a lot. And and this is something that the critics of Donovan Smith have forgotten about. Donovan Smith has been a good, solid, solid. I'll use the word solid. Left tackle. He hasn't been spectacular, but he hasn't been as aw- but he hasn't been awful either. The best thing about him is he doesn't miss a snap and. If he has to miss a game or two here, this team is not very well prepared for it because you look at him and you look at how sturdy he's been, how dependable and reliable he's been, uh, and you say, look, you know, if we're going to have a weakness on our team, I guess our swing tackle has to be it because we've got two pretty strong, durable guys uh, at, right, at right and left tackle. And, you know, uh, you know when, when, you, when something has to give on draft day or in free agency or whatever it is, uh, this is probably one of the spots where they've kind of given in a little bit. Now, I think maybe one of the changes uh, that could happen is is not uh, certainly not Demar Dotson moving over to left tackle. I'd be shocked if that happens. I don't see that happening. What I would see happening possibly is maybe maybe Caleb Beninock moves from right guard to left tackle because he was brought up as a tackle as well, much like Litke. Um, and also maybe you could you can move. Evan Smith into a right guard, which he's done before. So that might be the smarter move. But again, let's wait and see on Sunday uh, if Donovan Smith can be there. As, as Dirk Cutter said, and Dirk's not going to tip his hand either way. My guess is that Donovan Smith will um, at best be questionable uh, for this game. And, uh, and we'll see on Sunday what happens. But if he's not allowed, if he can't go, uh, it's going to change the offense, no doubt. Well, they're going to play the New Orleans Saints. I heard DeMar Dotson say after the last preseason game, you know, he's ready for the challenge of Cam Jordan. So, you know, he's anticipating, obviously not moving, but we will find out. But this is the Saints team, Roy, this time last year, coming off three straight losing seasons. They really turned it around with a strong rookie class, great free agency, and they've stepped it up even more so this offseason, picking up some players. Dirk Cutter on traveling to New Orleans to begin the season. Tough opener uh, against a really good football team, but what a better what better way for us to measure where we're at. And uh, one of the toughest places to play in the league, going going and playing in the Dome in New Orleans. But I know our guys are excited about it, and as you said, a division game, so uh, they know us well, we know them well, and we're, we're excited about getting going.
Before we bring in Nick Underhill of the New Orleans Advocate, Roy, talk about the New Orleans Saints. What do you expect from them against the Bucks? Expect their best game uh, to start with. They're going to be uh, amped up, and rightfully so, coming off an, uh, a good season, uh, playoff season, uh, at home, always difficult. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I don't think the Bucks are going to see anything different this year than uh, what they've seen in the past from the, from the Saints. I think they know exactly what to expect, um, and primarily what that is is just good, precise football, primarily from the quarterback. They're going to see a good, strong running game that's going to set up play-action fakes, and they're going to see a quarterback who doesn't miss. And um, that's what you have to be prepared for. So you have to be prepared to you know, possibly win a shootout here. Uh, so let's see what happens. It's Look, but the other thing is, don't forget, the Bucks have beaten the Saints in New Orleans. So they're not afraid of this game. A lot of people look at it as, boy, what a tough situation. You know, on the, t- on the t- toughest places to play – uh, in the NFL, I'm not sure New Orleans is, you know, is the toughest of all. I mean, I don't think it's as tough as Green Bay, uh, maybe not as tough as Oakland. It's a tough spot, but the, the Bucks have been there. They've won there. They've been successful. They've played good football. Um, I think they can do the same. All right, as promised, uh, we go behind enemy lines and bring in great perspective from the opposing team this week. We go out to New Orleans, and one of the best beat writers around, New Orleans Advocate's own Nick Underhill joins us. Nick, I appreciate your time. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Nick, let's talk about the Saints. Um, it just seems to me, I, I've covered the Saints a long time, along with the Bucks, that for years in the Sean Payton era, there was always a distraction, whether it was Bounty Gate or a Breeze holdout, a Jimmy Graham holdout, a major injury. It just seems like for this football team, there aren't a lot of distractions take away Mark Ingram's suspension heading into the season opener now. Yeah, that's it. And, and you kind of hit it right there. No, no major injuries or anything. It seems like that's kind of been a common theme with this team every single year, the last few years, Tron Armstead, Sheldon Rankins, a key player seems to go down every year this year in the hot Metairie summer, <laughs> the humidity out of control. Somehow they got through this whole camp without any major injury, no major distractions, nobody getting arrested. It seems like, you know, last season ended poorly. The, the, I'm sure they would like to rewrite that, but it seems like the momentum's going in the right direction for them. And, and that kind of played out this summer. And the one distraction, but they knew it way before training camp, was Mark Ingram's suspension. And it looked like Jonathan Williams was going to win that job to kind of help Alvin Kamara with the load until Ingram got back. But just like the Saints have done the entire offseason, man, this team is all in, whether it's moving up to draft Marcus Davenport, pick up Teddy Bridgewater, and then they get Mike Gillisley. Did that move, A, surprise you, and B, how much can he help this team in favor of Jonathan Williams? Yeah, it, it did surprise me uh, just because it seemed like this whole summer the momentum was kind of behind him and everything they were doing with him, the way they were using him, you know, it just kind of foretold that he was going to be the guy. But, you know, in retrospect, looking back on it, it, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. You know, he, he only really had two good runs during the preseason. Yeah. But those two happened to come when, when he was out there with the first team offense. So you kind of thought maybe the production taking a hit was because the second team line wasn't very good or maybe the third team line wasn't very good. But then here's Boston Scott averaging 4.8 yards per carry running behind those same lines. So, you know, looking at it now, it's kind of like, well, maybe I should have seen this coming. But, yeah, that cut coming through was a little bit of a surprise. And and Gillisley, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in because over his four years in the NFL, I think he's only had 16 catches and, you know, I, I don't think they want to have a huge tell out on the field 
you know, here comes this guy. Oh, they're running the ball for sure. I think they need to do something to at least make teams respect the fact that maybe he could run a screen or something. But I think him and Boston Scott are going to kind of split those carries. And I, I don't expect anybody to, to have, you know, an overdose uh, of the touches. You know, in the Sean Payton era, only twice as his running backs, uh, one of his running backs averaged more than 14 carries per game. That was the first year with Deuce McAllister and then last year with Mark Ingram. So I would be surprised if Kamara is much over that, that 14 number those first four games. This is Nick Underhill, beat writer for the Saints for the New Orleans Advocate, joining us here on our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks. Uh, you know what? It's amazing to me. This shows the power of Drew Brees, and I know you covered Tom Brady in New England as well. But it, this is interchanging, ever-evolving wide receiver show that, that these quarterbacks have, and they continue to produce. I mean, it was just a few years ago that Brees was throwing to Brandon Cooks and you know Willie Sneed. And, of course, Michael Thomas. But now Willie Steen and Brandon Cooks are both gone. You have the likes of Cameron Meredith coming back from an injury. You have Ted Ginn coming back. Then you have rookie Traquan Smith along with Michael Thomas. Would you say the wide receiver position on offense may be the biggest question mark? Uh, I mean, I, I think it has a ton of upside, too, though. If everybody comes through, I, I think it could be probably one of the better wide receiver cores they've had in a well, while. Uh, you know, Cam Meredith, the, the big thing there is him playing in the slot. He, he missed some time this summer. And that connection hasn't been quite where they probably want it to be. You've seen some miscommunications in practices, you know, little stuff like, like a curl turning to the outside and Drew throwing to the inside and it getting picked off. Those are the things they're going to have to figure out because in that slot position in this offense, that's where a lot of the, uh, you know, the chemistry comes into play. On the outside, it's kind of – you know, they run what they run. Yeah. You know, maybe somebody turns the out route into a corner out. But coming from the slot, you got to see that the same way as Breeze. And you might be called upon to run a crossing route, but, you know, maybe the linebacker's sitting there where you're supposed to end up. So you got to turn it up the field and turn it into a skinny post or something. And if he isn't seeing it the same way as Breeze, the offense isn't going to operate at that optimal efficiency that they like. And, you know, that's what made Marcus Colston so special. Willie Sneed, who, who, you know, is on the lower end of athletes as far as wide receivers. He understood that. Him and Breeze had that chemistry. He's a borderline thousand yard guy here. I mean, so th- they got to get that. They got to get that figured out. And if that comes through, if Traquan Smith, who has had a really good summer, you know, if he hits, there's a lot of options there in that receiver core, but it could very easily go the other way too. Yeah, Lance Moore's a guy who benefited from everything you're talking about for years as well. Let's jump on the defensive side of the football. To me, Alex Okafor coming back and and, and being healthy for most most of this offseason is remarkable with the Achilles injury. And then you have Marcus Davenport being drafted, just kind of getting used to the position. What do you think of Okafor in the first game? We're going to see. Uh, you know, he, he sounds optimistic. It's kind of crazy that he's out here playing. I mean, it is. You, it really you've is. <laughs> you've been to enough of these practices. But when the practice stops and they get down on their knees and they're praying for a guy, it seems like the end of the world because most of the time – they just step over a player and go to the other side of the field and keep going, and it's like nothing happened. And then you find out the guy tore his ACL and MCL, and he's done for the year. So for them to like stop and acknowledge it made me think it was terrible. And then he's back out there in a week, and now he's talking about maybe playing this week. So if he does that, that's big for this team. You know, Davenport, he he looked okay. You know, I still think he he's very raw. I think he can probably contribute early. I, the goal for him though is just to show progress throughout the season, and then. Hopefully by the end of the year, he's a lot better than he was in week one. But I, I think he did show enough athletic ability to, to 
at least where they can count on him is a situational pass rusher. All right, you've been locked into training camp for weeks and who's going to make this team and all the storylines. I know this is game week, but you're just starting to talk to the players about the Bucks. But what's the sense you get from the Saints about the Bucks without Jameis Winston and with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback? I think they uh, they feel like they got to respect Fitzpatrick's ability to get outside of the pocket and run a little bit more than Winston's. That, that, that's one thing that, that's come up. You know, I would actually be kind of interested to hear your take on what makes them different from quarterback to quarterback because, you know, you're watching it more closely than me. I'll bring in Roy. Roy, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I'm, 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 it's interesting that they uh, that the Saints, you know, believe that they have to respect Ryan Fitzpatrick's ability to get outside the pocket and run a little bit because he's certainly shown that ability. I mean, believe it or not, he's he's uh, he's one of the better uh, quarterbacks at getting out and making yards on his own. But uh, I think what changes with the Bucks' offense is um, there's just a little bit less risk taking. It's more of a methodical approach. It's going to take the Bucks a little bit longer to get down the field. They're probably not going to have as many big plays. Um, they're not going to even go for those big plays. Ryan Fitzpatrick's got a strong arm, but it's not Jameis Winston strong. And I think you probably have take fewer shots uh, deep with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're more inclined to, you know, just kind of, you know, work your way down the field methodically. And and I think that's more what they're going to look at lean on the running game even a little bit more than you would with Jameis Winston. Um, maybe fewer first down passes, although um, that's important to get that part going. Maybe a few more screen passes uh, just to get the ball in the hands of the, the playmakers. So I think that's where it changes. It just becomes uh, you scale, you don't scale it back, but you just you rein in things a little bit uh, and you don't take as many shots downfield. All right, you know, uh, Justin, get the three-and-out music ready for Nick Underhill. Not right now, but I have one more question, Nick. The Saints will win this game against the Bucks if this happens. If their defense comes together, you know, they, they got a bunch of new guys out there, Kirk Coleman, Demario Davis, Davenport, you know, and during the preseason, there were some communication things with, with coverage bust and whatnot. But I think if they limit that, you know, no, no disrespect to the Bucs, but I think this should probably be a win for the Saints, their first week one win since 2013. That's so amazing. that's the other thing. Don't don't let those slow starts, you know, bring down this team again. And with the way their schedule is in the middle, if they don't handle business during these first, you know, two, three games against the Bucs, uh, they got New York, Cleveland, and then Atlanta's the other one in the first four. If they don't win three of those, season could turn on them pretty quick. All right, Nick, I really appreciate your time. But before we let you go, I don't know if you know really what you got yourself into here, but it's time for your three and out of here. Here's the music. Yeah. Nick Underhill, I knew he'd appreciate this kind of music. Right up his alley. All right, Nick, three questions and you're out of here. Here's number one. If you were Mickey Loomis, general manager of the New Orleans Saints, and you didn't have to worry about the salary cap, and you could pick up one member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and place him on the Saints roster for this game and moving forward this season, who would it be? Oh, that's a good one. You can do whatever you want, my friend. No salary cap, no rules. It's all up to you. And I can keep him on a long-term deal? Sure, sure. I mean, throw Jameis on there and, and let him sit for a few years, learn, and, wow. and see what Sean Payton can do with him. Well, I thought you may go Gerald McCoy there. 
Yeah, I was thinking it, but I, I like Onyemata. I, I like Rankins. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the quarterback situation, if they don't figure it out, and I'm not totally sold that they're going to be able to keep Bridgewater beyond this year, you know? Maybe, Roy, maybe Roy, that... what would your answer be if you could put one buck? If you were if you were in the Saints position, you could pick one buck. Mike Evans. Wow. Yeah. There you I go. want Drew Brees to have as many weapons as possible. I want to give him one of the <laughs> five best receivers in the NFL. And if I can watch him and Marshawn fight every day in training camp, that'd be even better. <laughs> I love podcasts, fantasy football. This is excellent. All right, your second question for your three, and you're out of here. Who's going to be the Saints quarterback, my friend, in three years? Is it Drew Brees? Is it Teddy Bridgewater? Or is it Taysom Hill three years from now? I don't know if it's any of the three, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, Teddy's going to be really hard. But, you know, maybe they figure it out. Maybe they sell him on the situation, but... I don't know why he would be motivated to resign here and sit another year. He's already lost two years. Yeah. He's going to lose another one. Then that's four years, and I don't know. I I don't see it if they can keep him and he wants to stick around. That's that's a ideal, perfect scenario. Right. And I think Taysom just has a lot to prove. And you know, Breeze is a wild card year to year at, at this point. All right, last one, and you were definitely out of here. You have uh, covered some great coaches, uh, maybe the best coach ever in Bill Belichick. You worked. Uh, and covered the Patriots for years. And of course, you've been with Sean Payton for a number of years. You know their personalities well. If you had to take a cross-country road trip, who was riding shotgun with Nick Underhill, Bill Belichick or Sean Payton? Oh, I got to go with Payton. That would be so awkward with Belichick. I, I don't think we'd talk the whole way. <laughs> Payton actually has a fun side, as you know. So I think he'd be a little more fun, too. He does. He does. Yeah, in that setting, he, he'd probably be pretty entertaining. Yeah. Bill, I, I don't know. I don't know if he has a fun side. I think Peyton may buy the beer in that road trip. I'd venture a guess. <laughs> Who knows? Well, listen, my friend, I can't wait to see you uh, Sunday. I know you're busy this week. I appreciate your time. Uh, you survived three and out, and uh, all the best this season. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was good stuff from Nick Underhill as we bring back Roy Cummings. Uh, Roy, I want to ask your opinion. Uh, you know, you cover uh, the NFL, and you covered the NFC South for years being the beat writer for the Bucks. Who do you think will be the starting quarterback for the Saints in three years? I'm going to agree with Nick. It's none of the above. Really? Yeah, because here's what's going to happen. Uh, after the Saints struggle this year, or at least Drew Brees does, and they go 4-12 and 12 next year, people are going to oh. Drew Brees. They're going to draft a quarterback in 2000, what is it, 20, I guess. Yeah. And uh, that'll be their new starter in uh, three years from now. So uh, that's who it's going to be. Some kid probably at, I don't know where he is, Michigan, Alabama, take your pick, Oregon. DeAndre Francois. Maybe Blake Barnett from USF. <laughs> Oh, there you go. You know, what's funny? you know what's funny about life in the NFL or life in football is if Nick Saban picks Drew Brees and he passes the physical in Miami, who knows what happens to Alabama? And Sean Payton all of a sudden isn't drafting Reggie Bush back in 06. He's drafted probably Matt Leinart or Vince Young. And that means Sean Payton probably lasts about four years in New Orleans. Not only that, but the Patriots dynasty could be a whole different thing with Miami being competitive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The he's like Drew Brees is the Kevin Bacon of the NFL, man. <laughs> he catches them all. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Nick Underhill had his three and out. You know what time it is? It's time for Roy Cummings three and out. Yeah, this is like uh, like a guy spinning records back in the seventies and eighties. Super Tuesday here. We had Underhill. We had Roy. Oh, Cummings. The best part about that is we get to hear the music again. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, I'm, that, that music's in my head like two hours after the podcast. <laughs> All right, here's three for you, my friend. Um, 
I asked Nick Underhill, and I asked you too, and you were quick on your feet, if you could pick one member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to join the New Orleans Saints, who would it be? All right, conversely, my friend, if you could pick one guy on the Saints, no salary cap, long-term deal, whatever you want, put him on the Bucks right now, who would it be? Drew Brees. There you go. Which Look, it's I believe the Buccaneers are a playoff-ready football team. Quarterback has been a bit of an issue. They got a guy who's growing in Jameis Winston, another guy who you're not really sure what you're going to get out of in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you take one of the steadiest quarterbacks in the history of the game and uh, put him on this team, and I, and I think it's a playoff-caliber team. My one, He's my 1A option. My 1B bop, B option is Cameron Jordan because – That was my guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Bucks just don't have that guy, you know. They don't have that guy. They need that well, guy. Roy, is that the same Drew Brees that's going to struggle this year and go four and twelve next year? Well, yeah, it is, but, <laughs> but he's going to struggle because he doesn't have the Bucks weaponry. See, uh, the Bucks have more weapons than almost any team in the NFL. They just need somebody who makes to make sure they get the ball in their hands. So that's the difference. There is, I think, uh, the weapons that uh, Drew Brees has to deal with in New Orleans aren't quite as good as they are in Tampa Bay and. Maybe you want to have some other places, and I think he's going to suffer as a result. What do you think of that? You know, the, I like that answer. <laughs> the funny thing about Cam Jordan, though, he and Gerald McCoy have a lot in common because McCoy has tried to have that guy to help him for years, and looks like he will in JPP this year. You know, Cam Jordan kind of had it last year in Okafor a little bit, and it's good that he's coming back. So I think Jordan and and you know Gerald McCoy, when they meet at the Pro Bowl, I'm sure they can share a lot of stories about not having help over the years. All right, second question. John Gruden. Oh, John Gruden. John Gruden, I'm sure when he unloads Khalil Mack to the Bears for two first-round picks, here's my take on it. He just wanted those two first-round picks back because he didn't have them because the Bucks had to give them up to get him from Oakland. Is that it? Or is this just typical John Gruden? I mean, uh, you, must, you must say this is vintage John Gruden, right, Roy? This is vintage John Gruden. Let's not forget, this is the guy who let go of John Lynch when he still had you know many good years left in him at least three when he was a pro bowler in Denver. So this, this happens. John Gruden will start the season with the oldest NFL team in what, at least a decade or maybe since they've been keeping records like that. Um, he likes older players. I, I think he likes older players rather than talented players. They just gave up a player, one of the, in my opinion, one of the 10 best players in the NFL, the best player on their team without question. And they gave him up uh, for, for basically two guesses because you don't know what they're going to get. Here's the other thing. Think about it. I mean, they got him from the, from the bears who a lot of people think are a team that's going to be pretty good. So if the bears improve at the rate that people, and they just made the bears better, by the way, um, if they improve at the rate, people think they're going to be, those picks are going to be somewhere in the middle or maybe even worse than that. Um, You know, they could be in the 20 in the twenties or something uh, overall. So it may not be that special of a pick, but it gives them some options to do some, some things. But in my opinion, you never get rid of, rid of one of the best players. You never get rid of your best player when he's in his prime. That really hurts his team, in my opinion. The only thing that would be better is if John Gruden unloads those two first-round picks next offseason for a veteran running back, because that would just be true to form, <laughs> wouldn't it? Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, we remember when he brought in Charlie Garner. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and the list go. I mean, it was just crazy. It, it was like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing, John? All right. You know what? Uh, our last question in our three and out, three, we're out of here. I'm not going to do Beatles this week. We've done a lot of Beatles. I've, I've, I've got I to gotta recharge my Beatles battery. Roy loves the Beatles. You know what? We have to get Roy off because I think 
Bachelor in Paradise is on tonight too. So we, <laughs> it we is got to awesome. get off the podcast very quickly here, or maybe Paradise on the Beach. Can you clarify what Bachelor's on tonight? Which one's on? Uh, ba- Bachelor in Paradise tonight. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, well, no, you know, Dirk Cutter said Ryan Fitzpatrick's a man's man. Does a man's man watch that tonight? Do, do they? <laughs> anyway, all right, here's our last one. Okay. Um, New Orleans is always, to me, a popular road trip. If you're in the media, if you're a fan, if you want to get a weekend of NFL football and have a little fun. What's your favorite road trip? You've been all around this country. You've covered the league for years. You know, New Orleans is a favorite for many. But what's your what's Roy Cummings' favorite NFL road trip? Uh, NFL road trip, San Francisco, no right. doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, outside, I mean, I, I won't say Chicago because that's home. That would be like cheating. Uh, so Chicago would be my favorite number one because it's, I'm going home. But outside of Chicago, San Francisco, it, it's it's the best city in in the country, man. It's it's beautiful. There's so many things to do, and the best thing about the NFL road trip to Chicago, to San Francisco is that it's on the West Coast, and for a team, they've covered a team in the East Coast. Usually the team gets out there on a Friday, so you want to follow the team. You always want to be in the city where they were. A beat writer wants to be where the team is. So if they got out there Friday, you got out there Friday. Gave you an extra day and a half usually to, to hang around and do some things. And sometimes, depending on who you, you know, what your schedule's like, even hung around on Monday sometimes and, and <laughs> let somebody else pick up the, uh, the follow on it. So uh, no doubt, San Francisco, uh, there's so much to do there. It's so beautiful. The weather's usually uh, exquisite. And you know the food's good. You know, to bring this conversation full circle, I remember doing a story on Ricky's, and it's uh, John Gruden's favorite bar in Oakland. And we covered it when he was with the Bucks. And for some reason, you know, covering the Saints for a lot of years, the Saints would always play in San Francisco or Oakland, either preseason or regular season. The owners of that bar remembered us, and they were so good, they would always just roll out the red carpet. And I've seen John Gruden go back there. They have a parking spot for he and John Madden. So the funny thing is, I agree with everything you say about San Francisco, but I love Ricky so much that we would fly into Oakland for a San Francisco game just to go to Ricky's. There's a Ricky's plug for you. Hey, we did the same thing. Uh, even if they were playing in Oakland, stayed in San Francisco. And and you know what? <laughs> uh, last year, or when they were playing in uh, San Jose, uh, or, or we we still we still ended up in San Francisco. That's the right. place to be, man. Exactly. Well, listen, great stuff out of you, my friend, and Justin Thomas, who produces this show uh, as well as anybody. And you brought in a guest this week. We're going to have more guests like that. Justin, any parting thoughts as uh, the regular season is approaching? But we're going to have predictions coming up in our next podcast on Thursday. I just can't wait in two years to replay that clip of Freud talking about Drew Brees' demise. Did you keep it? I've got it. Okay. All right. Roy's a guy that stands by his guns, though. You you stand by your guns, Roy. I stand by my my statement, exactly. All right. All right, well, listen, that's Justin Thomas. That's Roy Cummings. Uh, I'm Mike Neighbors. That's a few extra bucks. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Lots of stuff to look forward to coming up. We're going to have our official predictions where I think I've had some time to think about this Buccaneer team. I think Roy and I are going to disagree more than we've ever disagreed coming up on our next podcast. I'm kind of waning on this team a little bit due to some recent news, but we'll talk about that next time. We'd like to thank Nick Underhill, the Saints beat writer for the New Orleans Advocate. Great stuff from him. Until next time, this is a few extra bucks. We appreciate you logging on.